0: we do this together um except i don't we don't team preach together um she does give me insights though so um lovingly giving me insights and helping me helping me to grow i have a lot of room to grow and uh, i'm grateful for god's good work of his grace in my life Will you bow with me before we look into his word? Father God, thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence. We don't come in our own name. We do come in the name and in the power of Jesus Christ. Him crucified and risen again. And God, we are privileged to be able to come into your presence. God, thank you for the mission that you had to rescue us. And you sent your son to rescue us, and now you've put us on mission. And uh, God, I ask that you would use us all. Thank you for the privilege of opening up your word. Help me to, to share what you want me to share, to say what you want me to say, and not say what you don't want me to say. And I ask that you would do a work in all of us, growing us to become more and more of what you would want us to be. And so we thank you and we love you in Christ's name. Amen. I had a little handout. Hopefully everybody's got one of those handouts. Does everybody got one? Anybody need one? I think there were some extra ones that are out there. Um, So my theme for this morning, and a couple of little blanks there, believers in Jesus Christ ought to actively participate in fulfilling the Great Commission. Those are key words. Actively participate in fulfilling the Great Commission we uh we moved to pennsylvania from minnesota we lived in minnesota for 20 years so uh minnesota is very much a part of us we didn't live up this this way we've been up this way uh, in a different different capacities but we lived down more in the twin cities and then in owatana uh, for those for those 20 years so this is, uh, this is a picture of our house. It's hard to kind of picture here maybe how this is. We're trying to give this impression, like you got to walk up. So it's actually, it's really steep uh, driveway. Like everything's flat here, which we really like. Um, there it's hilly and everything. So I mean, going down to go get our mail, it's kind of like you gotta, it's like almost like this and kind of going up. It's like a cardio just to go down to get the, to get the mail. Um, it's a real problem, any bit of snow. Like, um, I, I remember the first snow that we had there. I thought, I'm going to be a really nice husband. the, the van was kind of over to the right-hand side. We got a two-car garage. And I thought, I'm going to back it up and then move it closer so Glorian doesn't have to walk across an icy driveway. That's a very nice thing. Yes, you could agree with me. Well, I went to back it up. And because it slanted like that, the van just slid right down the driveway. I couldn't get it up. So then I'm parking in front of the driveway. So instead of Gloria having to walk across the driveway, she had to walk all the way down the driveway. So husband fail uh, there at that moment. She did stay upright, which was very, very helpful. So we got to set the parking brake. Now we do get the car in the, in the driveway, which is helpful. Just to even let you know the craziness of the area where we live, I remember we were, we were going to York. Um, Pennsylvania, and uh, going shopping. We got off on this exit. The GPS said, get into the far left lane and turn right. I don't know how that registers with you. So I got into the far left lane and turned left. And I think the GPS, if it could have spoke to me, it would have said, you dummy, you should have listened to me. The intent was because actually at that intersection, if you turned It was a quick right turn and then there was another right so it wanted you to not take that right but to take the next right. I'm sure that's confusing to you. It was very confusing to us. I do know that intersection I don't have to use the GPS for that particular intersection but there's a variety of others. So anyway at our house um, we can fit we fit a lot of different things in the garage but there's we would love to get a storage shed someday and um, but let's say for the sake of, of this illustration, you're an expert shed builder. And so you come over to our house, and, uh, and you come and ask a variety of questions. You say, OK, what, how big do you want this shed? Do you want windows in it? Do you want a ramp? Do you want power? Do you want shelving? Do you want siding? And you're writing down all these things, and uh, you go home, and you design it, and you give us an estimate. And we do a handshake on that. And we, well, we have the sticker shock of what you've come up with. But we understand, okay? And we authorize you to build the shed of our dreams. And we commission you. So your job is to do what we want to fulfill our plans. Now, I want to say in a a grander way, God has commissioned churches and individuals with a plan. And, uh, and it's not optional on our part. Our job is to simply do what God has called us to do. The Great Commission, it's very interesting, Barna did a, did a survey, 51% of churchgoers did not know where the Great Commission was found. Um, if you're not familiar with what the Great Commission is, actually I have it right on your, on your handout there. So some of you have that handout. The Great Commission is, is typically found, we would think about, Matthew 28. So I want you to look at that. You can have it there or you can open up your scriptures either way, uh, or your phones, or your tablets, uh, to Matthew 28. And we're going to look at that. So the Great Commission, uh, focusing in there on Matthew 28. Where Jesus said, Jesus came and he spoke to his 11 disciples. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, there's one command in this Great Commission. And if you can see the, and a command is simply, it means an implied U. So the U is not there, and it just has the verb that is there. And it is make disciples. Now, for those of you that are looking there, you say, okay, in verse 19, it looks like go is that way. Well, I'll talk about go in just a, in just a moment. So if you were already the English grammarian and you're ready to, Bust my chops there. Hold on. I'll I'll be able to answer your question. So make disciples is this. And make disciples is is really maybe even another word that could be used there is an apprentice. And maybe some of you are familiar with apprentice type of relationships, like a, a person who is a master electrician. He would bring somebody along who is not so skilled, And they're learning, they're watching, they're observing what they do, and eventually they'll get to do some of the things. And they become, over time, they can become a master electrician. Then they find a newbie and bring them along, and they kind of develop that. That is the idea of making disciples. A follower of Jesus finds somebody else brings them along, and they teach them by example and getting involved and helping them to become a disciple. So we would say a disciple is one who is one who is making disciple makers. So not just a follower or a convert. When Jesus used that word, it was, a, and it was an intentional word, and Jesus having his own background in maybe we could say carpentry or we had some discussions, stonemason type of thing, He understood that concept even from his own father. So make disciples. That's the command. And the idea of the verb, so I'm just giving you a little bit of background before we look into the outline. It is to characterize the life of the believer. That's the force of this verb. So our lives should be about making disciples. The life of the church should be about making disciples. And it's a command which means it's not a suggestion. It's not like, okay, here's optional Christianity. No, this is something that every believer, every church ought to be doing. When we're doing it, we're obedient. When we're not doing it, we are being disobedient. Now, this is what, this is what we are to be about as a, as a local church. So a healthy, at our house, if I could show a picture uh, we had in our backyard, we discovered we had an apple tree. Uh, the first year, we didn't notice it was an apple tree. The next year, we saw, oh, I think there's three apples on this tree. And then I think this year, there was maybe a, a few more. Now, how do you know a, an apple tree is a healthy apple tree? Fruit. By its fruit. It's producing apples. So we were to say, how do you know a Christian is healthy? He's producing Other Christians, he's helped. How do you know a church is healthy when it's producing other churches? So when we think about the whole healthiness dynamic, this is what we are to be about. And the Lord has given us just a passion for evangelism, discipleship, and leadership development, helping individuals and churches to be about reproducing themselves. So I wanna look at those passages that I have listed for you and i want you to think about this question who is the who are these verses written to so i read the matthew 28 now i'm going to read through the rest of them and we're going to make reference to them as we uh, through the through the message mark 16:15 so the gospel writers all have a kind of a similar and thinking about this great commission idea Mark 16, 15 says, And he, that's being Jesus, said to them, his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke's account, a little bit different, in expanding off of uh, other things and emphasizing other things that the other writers did not mention, uh, again, then, then Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. John 4 is an interesting passage. This is where Jesus is with the woman at the well. And, and Jesus says to the to the woman, but the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. John 15, is Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and he's giving them some last charges before he is getting ready to, to go to the cross. And he says to them, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. John 17 is the account where Jesus is praying to the Father. And, I, and I'm grateful that we have this account. You know, sometimes it's like, okay, should somebody be evaluating somebody's prayer? I think it's, it's a beautiful thing for us to be able to even, and I, I would encourage you at some point in reading John 17. Not at this time while I'm preaching, but reading John 17. But it's a beautiful thing of what Jesus even says to the Father. As he is saying, as you, Father, sent me into the world, I also have sent them, his disciples, into the world. And then in John 20, again, Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And then in Acts 1.8, just before Jesus ascended back to heaven, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So when you look at those passages, who are those passages written to? Well, you say, well, probably to the disciples. Yes, and then in turn, to us. They're not written to pastors or church leaders or missionaries exclusively. They are written to all of us. So these passages speak to us. And so if we're going back to my theme, believers in Jesus Christ ought to actively participate in fulfilling the Great Commission. Why? Why should we do this? Now we're on to our outline. So why should we? Letter A, to submit to the authority of Christ. If you caught that there in the Matthew 28, where Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, this is just for illustration's sake. Let's say Pastor Joe, this is just illustration, so I'm prefacing this, asterisk. Pastor Joe is speeding in his car. And, uh, and I notice that he is speeding, and being the good citizen that I am, I'm going to pull him over. And I say, uh, Pastor Joe, hey, you've been speeding, I'm going to give you a ticket. And he said, Dave, we used to be friends. <laughs> and then he says, Dave, you have no authority to give me a ticket. You may be a nice guy, you may be a missionary, whatever. but You have no authority to give me a ticket. And I would say, Pastor Joe, you're actually right. But let's say Pastor Joe is speeding, and then one of those vehicles that has those flashing lights, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever seen one of those behind you? Yeah, me. (laughs) Um, They pull over Pastor Joe, and they say, I'm going to give you a ticket. That person has every right and every authority to give him a ticket. Jesus has every right and authority to tell you as an individual and you as a church what to do. I'm afraid sometimes we live our lives as if, Jesus, this is my life and this is my church and I can do whatever I want. What did Jesus say? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Actually, Jesus said because he is the... Because of his death and his resurrection, he is the head of the church. Our responsibility is to be submissive to his authority. I think actually we could stop here. If we could say it with the message and say, okay, that's it. You are in charge, Jesus. I am not. And it is my job to do what you have asked me to do. And Jesus said, you are to be actively a part of making disciples and fulfilling the great commission. As Pastor made reference to in Philippians 2. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. So why should believers participate in fulfilling Jesus' great commission to submit to the authority of Christ? Letter B, whoa, hey, we're jumping here. All right, to experience the purpose of Christ. So why should believers participate, actively participate in fulfilling Jesus' great commission it is to experience the purpose of Christ. Christ. Again, going back to that John 15, 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. Have you ever wondered why God saved you? If God saved you just so you could go to heaven, then why did he not take you instantly? Once you trusted Christ, take you right to heaven. His purpose for you, as Jesus spoke to his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. The purpose why God has left you here, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the reason he has left you here is he has a mission for you to do. And what is a part of that mission, the Great Commission? I want to to break that that down for you. So we're going to go back to this word go. The word go, and I don't want to lose anybody here, it's it's a participle. So I said make disciples is a command. Go is a participle. But it's interesting in the construction in the sentence there, the go and the make disciple" go together. So it's translated like a command because if you're going to make disciples, you got to go. So you can't make disciples and sit in your house. Making disciples means i got to go. It implies movement. And so very much tied with making disciples, we've got, we got to go. And if you notice, as we read through these different passages, it's all the nations, every creature. It was like, we can't leave people out. We can't say, well, I don't like that group of people. I don't like that group of people. And I'm not going um, to reach out to them. For those of you that were during the Sunday school time, there was a number of stats that were run up there. And I don't know what stats do you uh, do to you. Sometimes for me, it just sometimes it's staggering. I want to read a few of those. Three billion people have never heard the gospel. I don't know what that does to you. I mean, sometimes, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the gospel. I mean, we've gone through Indianapolis, Indiana. There's like a church on every corner. I mean, we live in this country where you could hear the gospel, if you the radio, internet. There are some people who have never heard it, not even once, to even get a chance to reject it. They haven't even heard it once. That's kind of staggering to me. There are 7,000 people groups that remain unreached. Nobody's reaching out to them. I mean, some people have heard the gospel so many times, they've rejected it so many times. These are people who have never heard. 488 million Buddhists, 1.8 billion Muslims, 1.2 billion Hindus, 117 billion non-religious people. There are some people that say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You know, have you ever heard of those kind of people? They're like, I read an article about this uh, a number of weeks ago. They're like, I want to make my own kind of religion. So if it has the Bible, I got tarot cards, or I got the horoscope, I'm mixing it up, and I'm making my own thing. I don't want to be involved in organized religion. I don't want the Bible to kind of dictate to me. I just want to make up my own. This is the world in which we live. And God says, I want you to move and go towards those people. I think there's also a couple of groups of people that we struggle with, maybe in our culture. Muslims. All I got to say is Muslims and 9-11. And sometimes we might see somebody, and we say, I don't want to reach that person. You don't have a right to say that. And the LGBTQ community, whatever we think of that group of people, they are people group that we are to reach. And I appreciate people who do reach out to them. Actually, ABWE has training to be able to help people build redemptive relationships with both Muslims and LGBTQ, and we're working on one regarding Hindus. We need to all be praying and looking for opportunities and going and being involved. That's part of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is going, moving towards them. Don't ask them to come to us. We've got to go towards them and share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. But we haven't fulfilled the Great Commission by going and proclaiming the gospel to them. The next part there is is baptizing. Jesus said, go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Baptizing, here make a, a reference to water baptism. Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior for the forgiveness of sins and to be made right with God. Baptizing is really persuading people to publicly identify. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I don't care who knows about it. I really want everybody to know about it. I'm not ashamed that I know Christ. And part of the Great Commission is saying, I'm going to identify. That's, I mean, baptism in the early New Testament church, like when... uh, when Jesus got baptized, he got baptized because he said, I agree with what John the Baptist was saying. And I'm identifying what John is saying. Today, when believers in Jesus Christ get baptized, they're saying, I agree with Jesus. He died for my sins. He rose again. And I love him. And I want everybody to know about it. And we've got to persuade people to, to get to follow Jesus in, the, in believers and publicly identifying with Jesus. But we haven't fulfilled all of the Great Commission if we've gone and we proclaim the gospel and we're baptizing people because Jesus also said we also need to be involved in teaching. Now, the word teaching there in Matthew 28, 20, now if you have a King James Bible, instead of of saying make disciples in verse 19, it says teach all nations. The word teach in verse 19 and teaching in verse 20 are two different words. So I appreciate translations that kind of make a distinction there because of two different words. We had an apprentice with either earlier with make disciples or teach all nations, was the idea of making an apprentice. Teaching here is the idea that here is Jesus and his teaching here, here is your disciple. And what a disciple maker does is says, hey, disciple, friend, this is what Jesus says. I know you're thinking this way or you're living this way, but this is what Jesus says. You need to conform your life to what Jesus says. That's what this idea of teaching, impressing on the mind. I know you're thinking this way. You're saying you're doing this. You're living this way. Wait a minute. This is what Jesus says. And we need to always bring it back. What does Jesus say? Getting back to the word and impressing on people's mind. You need to live the way, you need to think the way that Jesus thinks and the way that Jesus says that we ought to think and the way that we ought to live and the, how we ought to believe. Impressing on their mind. Pressing on their mind. When we're doing all three of those things, then we are, then we are involved with fulfilling the Great Commission. So fulfilling the Great Commission is going proclaiming the gospel, baptizing, and teaching. So, why should believers participate in fulfilling Jesus' great commission? To submit to the authority of Christ, to experience the purpose of Christ, and to promote the worship of God. So, going back to the John 4 passage, when Jesus is with the the woman at the well, and he says, "True worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him." We are by nature worshiping people. Uh, we worship lots of things in our culture. We love sports, and uh, my son and I—so as I mentioned, I'm a Michigan fan, I'm a Detroit fan—got to go to a Detroit Lions game against uh, the Green Bay Packers. And obviously lots of Packer fans. And there are some fans, I mean, I was amazed at some, the guy had, had his face yellow and green. So obviously you can tell what team he's for. He's not embarrassed to have that all on his face. We're Everybody's screaming, yelling anytime for, you know, we're excited, we're fans. This team is my, you know, is important to me. And then, you know, if we're, And and I could struggle. You know, if it's minus 5, minus 10, I might struggle to come out to church. Man, some of these people, it's minus 10, minus 20. They're out there. They're cheering their team on. It shows our own values of what is important uh, to us. But by nature, we're worshipers. We worship our comfort, our pleasure. And um, Jesus was all about reaching people. Because actually, we want to realize when somebody is worshiping something, evangelism is all about helping to introduce somebody to God so they can become a worshiper of God. See, that woman, she knew about God, but she didn't know him personally. She viewed worship as a place rather than a person. And Jesus cuts through the racial tension. She was a Samaritan. Through the gender tension, she was a female. And the righteousness barrier, you know, she had five husbands and the, the, the man she was with was not her husband. And Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah to her. It's the first time. It's interesting in Jesus' ministry, he reveals himself to this woman. He doesn't reveal to a king or to a Pharisee, or even to his disciples, he reveals to this woman that he is the Messiah. And when she trusted Christ, she became a worshiper of God. And it was very interesting. She's on mission. She went to her own community, and then those people came. And that's when Jesus said, lift up your eyes, the fields are white already, to harvest. So, Why should believers participate in fulfilling Jesus' great commission? To submit to the authority of Christ, to experience the purpose of Christ, and to promote the worship of God. Well, how do we do this? How can believers participate? Letter A, by praying to God. Paul said this in Colossians 4, continue earnestly in prayer, be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul was praying. said, God, give me open doors. I want to talk to people. There's a, my boss at ABWE says he goes to a, he goes to a grocery store and he says, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. If you have, you want to bring somebody across my path, I'm ready to talk to somebody. That's a challenge to me. Am I ready? I mean, sometimes I'm on mission to go to the store and back, and I'm not thinking I'm on to the store, and maybe there's somebody that God has for me there at the store that he wants me to talk to. I mean, if we're praying for opportunities, we need to maybe stop and say, okay, wait a minute, I'm getting ready to leave today. I want to be on mission for you. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? And when you give me opportunities, I want to be clear. That was the Apostle Paul. He wanted to be clear. So how can we participate in fulfilling the Great Commission? By praying. By building with people. Very interesting. You study Jesus' life. How many times he's involved in individual people's lives. He's involved Nicodemus, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the rich young ruler. We need to take time with people. Remember, God is responsible for conversion. We're responsible for contact. We need to initiate connections with people that they may become redemptive. We need to invest in people. Uh, We're getting to know people in our own neighborhood. When I was a pastor, I'd have people come to our church that were interested as we shared some of those stories. Um, But now we have to do it like everybody else. And so we're building relationships with our neighbors. And in our neighborhood where we live, There are, what do we say, there's like 170 houses, 169 of them have a dog. Guess who does not have a dog? We don't have a dog. But you know what? We try to connect with people. And if we ask people about their dog, the name of their dog, what kind of dog it is, they'll stop and talk to us. And so actually we're praying for our neighbors by name, and we have the names of their dogs. We don't pray for their dogs, but we do pray for their, we do pray for our neighbors. And, um, but if you connect with them about their dog, they'll wanna talk to you. And that's what we wanna do. We wanna talk with our neighbor. We wanna build with our neighbor. We would love to do a story of hope, study with our neighbor, but we can't just jump from, hi, how are you? You wanna do a Bible study? We gotta build with them. And we wanna be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting and, uh, and looking for those opportunities, praying for those opportunities. And then third, letter C, how can believers participate in fulfilling Jesus' great commission is by teaching over time. We live in a biblically illiterate society. What do I mean by that? You used to be able to go, years ago, you'd be able to knock on a door you could have a conversation with people even about the Bible because they had some framework. They understood. We're getting people today that know less and less about God and his word. Now this is a, this is a, a weird illustration, but maybe it illustrates what's going on. I was talking to a guy who lives in Austin, Minnesota at a Hormel or Hormel. I guess it depends on how you say it. And uh, he said it's because uh, I was talking about this idea with him when I was at the Refresh conference, and he said, people swearing, he hears lots of swearing, he said, recently, and I don't know what recent is, but recently, he said, I haven't been hearing them take Jesus' name, or God's name. They're using other vulgar swear words, but they're not using Jesus and God. Why is that? They don't know about Jesus. So Jesus is not even a part of their swear word context. So does that even, So it's kind of a weird illustration, but it's kind of an interest, they don't even have Jesus a part of their thought process to even bring him in as a swear word. So we believe it's very important that we back up. And we've got to start in introducing, we don't want to introduce people to, so they learn about Jesus so they can swear. That, no, that's not where I'm going. But we've got to back up and start explaining to people about who God is. I mean, we're asking people to trust in a God they don't even know. Or trust in a Jesus they don't even know. And that's where we love the, the story of hope. It slows it down. Anybody can do it. I mean, all you've got to do is simply ask somebody, hey, have you ever studied the Bible? Would you be interested in studying the Bible? I'm finding out there are people that are open to that. I do believe what Jesus said. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. I think if we find out, we ask some people, we'll find out. There are some people that are genuinely interested. But I think we've got to slow it down for them. I think we've been so used to, and sometimes we get a, an opportunity, we're all excited about ready to share the gospel with somebody, and unfortunately we can do what's called the gospel dump truck. You know what I mean by that? Beep, beep, beep. And we dump on them everything we know about the Bible. And they're glazed over, we're glazed over. We need to slow it down, help them understand over time, and allow God's Spirit to work in them. So why should believers participate in fulfilling Jesus' Great Commission? To submit to the authority of Christ, to experience the purpose of Christ, and to promote the worship of God. How can we do that? By praying building, and teaching. See, if I authorized you to build our shed, your task, your mission, your purpose would be simply to do what we commissioned you to do. Jesus has authorized us as individuals and as a church to make disciple makers. Let's do what Jesus has commanded us to do. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for for the word. God, we thank you that you are a loving God and that you sent your son to be on mission for us. And we thank you, Jesus, that you left these instructions for us individually and for us as the church. And help us, Jesus, to be about what you would want us to be about. Be about reaching people, introducing them, to you, and to you, Father. And so, Father, may you use us. May you use Faith Baptist to be your kind of church. And we thank you. We love you. And uh, may you use us for your sake. And we thank you ahead of time for how you will work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.